Hello and welcome again to another episode of Five Plain Questions, a podcast that proposes five questions to indigenous artists, creators, musicians, writers, movers and shakers, and culture bearers, people in the community that are doing great things for their communities. I'm Joe Williams, your host for this conversation. I'm director of CANA, the Native American programs at the Plains Art Museum. My goal is to showcase these amazing people in our indigenous communities from around the region and country. I want to introduce you to Julie Buffalohead. She is a citizen of the Ponca tribe out of Oklahoma, and she's a visual artist living in St. Paul, Minnesota. She received her BFA from the Minnesota College of Art and Design in 1995, and her MFA from Cornell University in 2001. Julie Buffalohead creates visual narratives told by animal characters that embody human traits, free will, and individuality. She connects mythical and the ordinary with the imagery of the real, offering a space to which viewers can bring their own experiences. She coaxes us to discover additional layers of meaning, social, historical, political, personal, using metaphor, wisdom, and wit. I think what makes Julie Buffalohead so interesting is that, in a sense, her work almost serves as Ektomi, the trickster, to allow us to take lessons from these narratives presented to us, to, to learn uh, to learn a lesson or to be able to, to connect things, um, which is in her art, uh, which many artists try to do, but this one a little more closer to home to what the Ektomi is. So let's jump into this conversation with Julie. Uh, Julie Buffalohead, thank you so much for joining us at Five Plain Questions. Oh, thank you. Uh, if you could introduce yourself, uh, tell us a little bit about your backgrounds, uh, where you're from, that'd be great. Um, yeah, sure. Um, let's see. Um, I'm Julie Buffalohead. I am an enrolled member of the Ponca tribe. Um, my dad is um, Ponca from Oklahoma, and my mother is um, of German and English ancestry. She's from Wisconsin and grew up and raised there. And my parents met at um, University of Wisconsin-Madison, and um, they're both college professors. And uh, my dad uh, got a position at the University of Minnesota to um, head the American Indian Department there. And so he was one of the first directors to work there um, that offered a degree in American Indian Studies. Um, and so that's where I was born. So we were living in Minnesota at the time. Uh, and then we ended up moving around a lot when I was a kid because my parents were both college professors. And so my dad ended up taking a lot of teaching positions in different parts of the country. And, uh, but we always ended up coming back to Minnesota. So eventually we did come back and I was about nine or 10 and we bought a house in the suburbs in St. Louis Park. And so that's where I grew up um, for the rest of my years. Um, I ended up going to Minneapolis College of Art and Design uh, for my uh, undergrad degree. And that was a lot of fun and a great experience. And I was really happy about that. And then I uh, sort of took a little bit of time off before I went to grad school, but um, I eventually went to um, grad school um, out in New York and Cornell University. Um, and that was, a, that was a, a crazy experience because I wasn't used to living in New York and I wasn't used to um, sort of the people out there and that sort of Ivy League, you know. Um, and then uh, I came back uh, to Minnesota after that and I um, 
started a family. I have a 13 year old daughter and have basically just been making art and sort of raising my kid. And that's kind of my background. <laughs> so when you were creating art, uh, both in undergrad and graduate school, <clears throat> what, what was the difference in that experience for you? The difference between those two experiences? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, undergrad is more of an experiment. It's more like you're trying many, many different things. And so the curriculum at, at uh, MCAD was that you, your first year you spent um, taking classes in um, photography, video, computer, um, fine arts, um, printmaking, et cetera. And so you kind of get a background in all those things and you kind of, so you can end up choosing what um, you want to major in. Um, or you can be an inter interdisciplinary artist too. Um, uh, so it was a lot of, um, it was interesting for me then. It was a lot of, it was freeing. I could do what I want. I often made um, prints and did other things. Um, and when I was in grad school, it's much more of a, it's, it's framed much more serious. Like you're supposed to know everything when you go there. And that's why it was frustrating for me because I still wanted to do, be in that experimental mode. And, um, you know, you, for there I had to write a thesis. I had to come up with, um, you know, I had to really focus in on a body of work. And it just, uh, it was just hard. You know, I think some ways I, I don't want grad school to be longer, but if it was a little bit longer, you could get that um, experiment part out of you. So. Yeah. Who are your biggest um, influences? Um, <laughs> that's hard to say. Um, I'm not, when people always ask me who are your favorite artists or who are your influences and um, I, there's so many, it's like, it's like asking a person, what's your favorite band or what's your favorite music or what's your favorite color? Um, I think a lot of my influences now are coming from um, my own tribe. I spend a lot of time researching um, historical objects and um, my uh, tribal origins, it's, it, their stories, et cetera. So um, I spend a lot of time doing that. And um, I've been looking a lot at um, uh, traditional Indian artifacts and, and studying them and studying um, ribbon work, which is a type of um, adornment that um, Indian women put on um, dresses and bags, et cetera. So, um, so yeah, I've been spending a lot of time doing that. Um, as far as artists being influences, I think a lot of times my peers are my, are my biggest influences. I think that you end up having a dialogue with other people when you're making art, even if you're not aware of it. Um, and a lot of that's looking at other art, um, being a part of an art community, um, having friends, and it's, it just creates a dialogue that interests you. And so um, I think those people are, are probably my biggest influencers of what I'm making now. So, yeah. I find through the, the process of this podcast, um, there are so many outstanding artists that are living in the Twin Cities area. And I'm just curious if there are places where um, artists convene or get together or cross paths more in certain places than other places. Um, 
I suppose, you know, a lot of artists come across each other at openings, you know, you end up supporting certain organizations, um, <clears throat> you know, like uh, there's this place called Suvac in um, Minneapolis, that's a nonprofit um, gallery. And I think the whole purpose is that people come out to support it. So that every, every time I go there, I always end up seeing tons of people that I know, you know, um, getting into discussions and stuff. But that's sort of where you end up usually seeing people. Um, so, yeah. Hmm. I've uh, spent quite a bit of time in Rapid City. And, of course, there's a, a large collection of artists out there. And um, But I, I find myself uh, drawn to either the Twin Cities or uh, farther out west. And so I'm just curious, as I don't have that much experience in the cities myself, being all the way up here in Fargo. So mm -hmm. our area is a lot smaller <laughs> in Fargo. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, can you talk a little bit about um, how you've developed your career, uh, both in college and post-college? Um, well, in some ways, I'm a bad person to talk about that. I have a tendency to be, I'm an introvert, and I have a tendency to take things uh, very um, easy Um I don't pursue things that um, aggressively. Um, I think that uh, I think that w what helped me was just getting to know people, and when you get to know others, um, those people end up helping you out in some ways. You know, like they know of a show, they want you to be a part of a show. Um, uh, I when I went to grad school, I deliberately went to Cornell because I was. Um, Kay Walking Stick is a famous and native artist, and she was working there, and I wanted to work under her. And I think she um, helped me out a lot, you know, like just introduced me to some people and kind of um, helped prepare me for what the real, real world or art world was would be like. Um, but um, as far as like uh, developing my career, it's just it's. It's a hard, it's a hard thing. And a lot of it sometimes comes down to who you know, which I hate in some ways because I often think it should be about the quality of your work, but it isn't always that way. You know, it's about fostering relationships, and sometimes you have to foster relationships with curators and gallery direct directors and other artists, and um, so you end up. Um, it kind of creates a. You know, people see your work and then they uh, it creates a, a sort of talk about it and then more people want to bring you on to projects. And so it kind of snowballs from there, you know, <laughs> so, but, um, but yeah, I'm not, you know, I'm not, uh, I'm not terribly aggressive about my career. I suppose I could be, um, I just, um, I'm just not that way, you know, so, so a lot of things have happened for me because of circumstance, so. Hmm. At least I think. At least I think so. <laughs> so, and I think that leads us into the the question about opportunities. Uh, but before we we hit on that, um, I when I first started at the museum, uh, the Plains Art Museum, uh, we there was an exhibition called uh, Wasmo Bashizi. Uh, and I think it was introduced to most artists as dress at the time. And you had, I believe, two pieces that were in there. And it, I think it touched on um, some of the themes that you've worked on in the past where we're using contemporary images, whether it's uh, fa uh, fairy tales 
or um, pop culture references uh, tied in with uh, our traditional culture, um, the trickster uh, idea. I know I'm a Dakota, so we say, um, uh, I just, <laughs> uh, yeah, um, the, the, the trickster. And um, I was wondering uh, if you could talk a little bit about, about that, uh, that work that you do. Um, you mean specifically for the trickster or just in general? Uh, in general, in general. Um, I think my work is based off of, um, they're sort of personal narratives, but they're intertwined. I do, I, intertwined with native sort of, um, they borrow from native stories. And so I never illustrate native stories. I'm not interested in that. I'm more interested in borrowing the ideas, the concepts, the, um, the morality tales in some ways, all the, the philosophy, the worldview, all those things I try and take and then sort of craft into my own personal narrative. And sometimes my narratives are political. Sometimes my narratives are personal based on trauma or events in my life, or sometimes it's based on motherhood or feminism. Um, so I end up taking a lot of characters from those um, native stories. Like, so uh, in Ponca tradition, you have a lot of um, coyotes and, and rabbits and um, deers and, and different um, animals like that. And um, they all sort of have this little, these little tales of how things happened, you know, and, um, so I've always been attracted to that. So I sort of make these paintings that eventually have kind of, there's a jumble of a lot of different elements. So sometimes there's pop culture references. Sometimes there's references, political references. And then it it's kind of becomes open-ended at that point. It um, the, the painting becomes what it becomes. And then I... Um, you know, I leave it for the another person to interpret it, you know. Um, sometimes my work is real intentional, too. Like, so I have a specific idea and I really want to get out. And so, um, yeah. Um, so the, the, your current piece, Tone Deaf, uh, mm -hmm. the, the litho, I, I think the themes are very, uh, very clear in that piece there. Yeah, the, that piece I did for High Point, it's a printmaking center here in, uh, in Minneapolis. And it's, um, it's basically just some of the things that have happened over the last two years. Um, it was about um, how at first with the COVID epidemic, it was disproportionately affecting Native people. And um, I was amazed at the politicization, I can't even say it, but you know, the po politics coming into the idea of... Um, mask wearing and, and um, staying healthy and keeping other people healthy. Um, and uh, I found the polarization in this country to be amazing how, how much it's grown and how, how crazy people can be over just, you know, um, diffusing politics with health, you know, it just seems. Um, so anyway, I made this print about it and one of the coyotes is, has a health mask and another one has a tone deaf sign. It's sort of, they're kind of dual nature um, creatures that are interacting with each other. And it's just speaks to that current times, you know, so. Yeah, my, my 
interpretation, my I guess my my flash reaction is that it was an Ectomi, uh, the trickster, the Dakota word for trickster, uh, with the flags there, and I thought that was brilliant. I thought that was really well executed. So oh, yeah. thank you. <laughs> So this does touch on um, opportunities. Uh, mm-hmm. The initial question is on how do you seek opportunities? Um, but as one moves through their career, um, I think one seeks less opportunities and has them presented. And if you could speak to that um, to that experience. Um, it's hard. I mean, the art world is, is a difficult business to be in in some ways. Um, it's very fickle. People come in and out of out of it. Um, uh, sometimes it's, um, you, you, as an artist, you feel helpless to what curators and other people are deciding, you know, you don't feel like you have any, um, voice in some ways, you know, you feel like you're, I don't know, it's just a strange feeling. It feels like sometimes money plays a lot into it. And, um, there's just all these feelings I have about it. It's just, um, it's a, double-edged sword, I guess you could say. Um, as far as opportunities, I think that when you're young, you have to take what you can get. I would say apply for everything and try and participate in your local community, try to participate in nonprofit shows, anything that can sort of get the work seen, because that's the first sort of um, step is to be able to have pe- certain people see it, you know, um, and then I, I think, you know, just don't get discouraged by um, uh, rejections and failures, you know, because like I said, the art world is, art world is fickle and it's, it's a lot about trends. And so things come and go. And so what's popular now may not be in six months or a year or wherever. Um, um, and yeah, you know, it's true. You know, at this stage in my career, I don't seek out so much Um things, but, um, uh, I don't know. I mean, it's just, uh, it's just, that's just what ended up happening to me. I know a lot of artists who are still actively seek out things because they're not given some of the opportunities that I have been given. So, you know, I don't know. I just, I always try and tell people not to get too discouraged, you know, because, um, you know, you just sometimes it you can get to know somebody who who supports you and wants to help you out. So, what would you uh, say to the to the listener, the eighteen to twenty two year old listener to this conversation? <laughs> um, I'm not sure. I mean, I think sometimes you just you can't as when you're that age. You, I mean, I remember when I was in art school and I was that age, people would constantly tell me art school is stupid. Um, you'll never get a job. It's, uh, you know, all it's, it's not preparing you for anything in life. And um, I just chose not to listen to those people. <laughs> you know, I chose that um, my heart over my head because um, I knew that um, it's just what I needed to end up doing is, is focusing on my art. And I think, like I say, it's just really, um, you can't get discouraged by people. I mean, it's, it's probably a, a good idea to have a backup plan if you want to be an artist, you know, to like some kind of other thing that you can do that make money because it's not always easy to be 
practicing artists and make enough money as a living wage. But um, I would say like for that age group is just constantly be open to new ideas and exploring things because you're only young once, you know, <laughs> so you got to kind of do that at that age, you know, you can't, um, when it gets, it gets harder when you get older and you have a family, you have to think very differently. So, yeah. yeah. Where, where can people find, uh, your work, uh, see new exhibitions that are coming up? Um, I have some things in, in that aren't for sure yet because of all this COVID business, everything got sort of put to the side and then you had artists that had to come in and, and you know, backlogged art shows, you know, so I'm sort of in limbo, but I, I do have a, a, a show coming up in uh, Carleton College next year. So um, it'll sort of be kind of a retrospective with a couple new pieces. So um, so that'll be interesting. Um, and then I'm just sort of waiting to hear from these people <laughs> they're not going to be showing in these other things, you know. So, uh, but I've been spending a lot of time just working, you know, in this meantime. So, um, so yeah, that's what I'm doing right now. It's just working crazily like a busy little bee. So, well, if you're okay with it, we'll put a link to your websites in the show notes yeah, uh, so sure. our listeners can check you out. So, sure. Julie, thank you so much for this. This was a oh. lot of fun. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> And that does it for this episode of Five Plain Questions. I want to thank Julie again for her time and sharing her story with us. The first time I'd seen her work, uh, I was fascinated by the imagery that she used. And I, I could immediately tell that there was sort of this Tommy um, narrative that was worked into the imagery. Um, it was a piece that had, uh, I believe it, it was from In Through the Looking Glass, uh, I think it was a, an interpretation of that story. And I, I knew there was much more to that story. Her, her work doesn't smack you in the face like some other artists do. Uh, her work is very subtle, so very well crafted and put together. Um, it's almost, I wouldn't say delicate, but it, it invites you in. It, it's very very embracing to you as the viewer and so I caught myself just lingering at her work trying to put together what she was trying to say because it's not obvious um yeah it is it, it's very hard to, it's very hard for me to to articulate but it's absolutely fascinating to look at so I invite you to check out her work uh if you're in Minneapolis go to these places we have uh, links in the show notes of where her exhibitions are and her website um I think her her current piece that is on the website, if you're listening to this in December of 2021, is fairly obvious. But also to you, if you only if you have a real strong sense of um, Native American culture, uh, then it's very clear and very entertaining. Uh, so I really appreciate um, what she does and how she does it, uh, because she is definitely, while a visual artist, a storyteller as well. And I'm very keen on storytellers. So, Julie, thank you so much. More importantly, I want to thank you for joining us and spending your time listening to what I feel is a very important story and perspective from our community. So please join us again as we speak with another incredible person. 
I'm Joe Williams. You can find me at Kana, that's C-A-N-A-A, Creativity Among Native American Artists, on Facebook or on WordCross social media. And you can also find us on our plainsart.org website. There you can see our past programming, these podcasts, and our past videos. If you have a suggestion for someone for me to interview, please look us up on Facebook and message me. I'd really like to hear from you. So take care, and we will see you next time. This has been an 11 Warrior Arts production.